Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the Q1 2019 quarterly review. Um, my guest here today is Lead Senior Portfolio Manager Scott Weber. In the first quarter of 2019, the Von Nelson Select Strategy gross performance was 12.78% with a net performance of 12.5%. And that is compared to the S&P 500 at 13.65%. And with that, we'll turn things over to Scott. Thank you, sir. Um, So obviously, we're long-term investors. We think in three-year increments, but it's healthy to pause a couple, you know, four times a year and reflect at at where we are. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk first about performance during the quarter. As you alluded, you know, a little north of 12.5%, which uh, is, is, is is an attractive number. It's a high number. And if you think about what stocks are generally expected to achieve on an annual basis, it's ahead of that. And so you had a burst of upside this quarter. Uh, that, that, that we just put in the books. And, and really, you can describe that as a rebound from a brutal fourth quarter of last year. Um, during the quarter, on a sector level, we had positive contribution from energy, again, rebounding from fourth quarter weakness. Communication services, not just weakness. We also had a great uh, standout performance from a single business there. And tech was also a positive contributor, um, although on a relative basis, a slight drag. No sector was down in the quarter, but we had a few stocks that were. On a total return basis, we had two in healthcare, two in financials, one where we're building a position, and the other is a longstanding position where, we've booked, where we have nice gains, and so I would describe that as um, um, shorter-term weakness. From an attribution standpoint, um, while we trailed the relative indices by a little bit, uh, that, that drag was predominantly sourced from cash, Um, We averaged more than 6% cash in the portfolio over the quarter. Um, Tech, healthcare and financials, as I alluded to earlier, each returned a little bit less than the index. In terms of changes that we made, we added three names. We eliminated two names during the quarter, so it was a little bit busy. Um, Turnover was was a bit above 12% during the quarter. Um, And the net result of those changes are lighter exposures in industrials and materials, greater exposure to the consumer and communication sectors. If you look at the characteristics of the portfolio today, they're consistent with our historical profile. Our active share is still comfortably in the high 80s. We like that, obviously. Valuation is still comparable to the index. All the other characteristics remain consistent with that uh, classic Von Nelson profile, although I'll mention our dividends a little bit higher than usual right now, and um, the, the market cap in the portfolio is a little bit smaller than it has been uh, in the last few years, but, but not meaningfully so. I, I like to think about the world in, in terms of factors as well as individual names, and so if you look at the performance of the index through the quarter and try to discern what worked and what didn't, uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that uh, some of the in, in this snapback that beta earnings volatility narrowing credit spreads anything ex- with exposure to these factors obviously um, more price volatility uh, more exposure to the price of oil and higher valuation stocks all were associated with better equity performance. It follows then, and it shouldn't be a surprise that. Uh, Larger market cap and higher dividend yield weren't necessarily, during the quarter, uh, the highest contributors to return. But what is interesting is to discern the fact that 
more levered businesses and higher short interest companies were not positively associated with that performance. And so I, I think that's somewhat different from most snapback type rallies. <clears throat> Turning to the, uh, to the macro, you know, if you, if you take a step back, recall that it wasn't that long ago that we were discussing global growth, and in particular, we were talking about inflationary concerns, and we knew the trajectory of the, the Fed uh, at this time last year is notably different than what we see now. I'll point out that in the second quarter of 2018, in the United States, we had a, a forehandle on GDP growth, and it's been sequentially slowing ever since. Nonetheless, it sets up for a tough compare in the quarter that we're in now. Um, I'd also mentioned in the context of that tough compare, we had a change in tax law, which we've all just been very familiar with, but that's essentially fully anniversary, so that's not a source of help. Uh, any pre-buy or, or inventory accumulation in advance of the, uh, the uh, trade discussions with China is essentially done, and that's fully anniversary. That's not something that's going to help us here. Um, and at the moment, industrial production is not growing. Energy is a big part of that, and you see, despite higher oil prices, less investment in energy of late. Um, and so if you think back to mid-year last year, you had uh, the interest rate sensitives declining, um, auto and housing especially, and that generally foretells some uh, economic uh, deceleration. And now in the United States, despite uh, you know employment market being strong, you're seeing the service sector begin to slow its rate of growth, and that, of course, is generally speaking where most U.S. jobs are. So if you think to uh, Fed activity, their pause or pivot uh, recently has been, I'd say, a big part of the snapback in equities. Um, it's going to be hard to predict any significant move from the Fed right now. While uh, the U.S. and China trade negotiations are ongoing, obviously creating a weaker dollar doesn't exactly um, strengthen the hand of the trade discussion. And so it's hard for me to suggest that the Fed will be proactive on the rate front um, until that uh, is, is resolved. It's anyone's guess when it's fully resolved. But in any case, I'd point out that while we're recording this on April 3rd, those conversations are ongoing and you know, headlines are you know, day-to-day pointing out the, the, the activity. Who knows the outcome, but it's probably reasonable to expect that there's a bit of a fulcrum uh, from that. And so it may be one of the larger economic variables of this year that, again, at the time of this recording, we don't know what it is. Um, on, uh, on television the other day, I heard someone describe the current situation in the economy as a growth rate cycle downturn, and I thought that was a beautiful way to phrase it. So we're not yet in recession. I don't know that uh, we're in a position to, to call for a recession or anything of the sort, so please don't over-extrapolate these, these comments. But I would point out that I believe that we're at greater vulnerability than we were recently, and growth at the moment certainly isn't accelerating. As you switch from the economy towards the market, um, you know, the market is rebounding just as we've said, the economy is decelerating. Uh, rate talk and dollar strength are, of course, central to that discussion. It's interesting to note that uh, the ability to borrow is different than the absolute level of rates. And so what I mean by that is absent of some acute credit crisis, 
in general normal market conditions, a high return project can get financing. And yet at the same time, investment activity can be curtailed by diminished liquidity, which impedes the ability for price appreciation in financial assets. We've certainly brought demand forward in each of these categories, meaning low rates and having had ample liquidity of late. My general concern is really the latter, that liquidity. Um, pointing a little deeper on that subject, um, you know, the, the, again, the common tread topic and, and headlines is the current state of corporate leverage. Um, I think it, it's important to, to consider in the context of equity investing that debt-fueled buybacks have been a meaningful contributor to equity performance for the last uh, several years. Um, so at the same time that the credit market is a bit less resilient than it was certainly prior to the global financial crisis, um, you know, as a sidebar, there's a lot lower dealer inventory versus debt outstanding than pre-GFC, et cetera, you might consider the disruptive effects of a large triple B issuer potentially falling into the comparatively smaller high yield market. That could be um, a meaningful move, even though some of the names at most at risk might already be priced as such, the structural follow-on wouldn't be a pretty thing to watch. So there's, generally speaking, a growing concern about the fragility of corporate credit. Nevertheless, demand for credit remains pretty strong at the moment. Um, turning now to valuation, um, just to encapsulate it in, in an anecdote, uh, I read a Wall Street strategist piece the other day defending the current equity market valuation on 2020 numbers. And as value investors, when we passed this around the office, the first reaction was that we were taking exception to the high multiple that was held out as, and I'll use quotes, attractive. But I think the real problem is that nobody knows what 2020 numbers will be. There are just too many variables that will fall into place uh, between now and then. And so that uncertainty of the figure makes us less apt to express confidence around any multiple, uh, let alone one that, that is in excess of historical norms. Switching to the positioning in select, um, as I mentioned earlier, we hold a bit more cash than usual, and it's a bit more than we'd like to have. Uh, it's not so much that we're trimming our sales. Uh, it has more to do with finding great ideas to place your capital. Um, to be considered for this portfolio, new ideas absolutely must provide incremental improvement to the portfolio via return enhancement and risk reduction. Uh, we're continuously on the hunt for great places to invest your capital. We also have a shopping list of other great companies that might one day be included in the portfolio. And at the moment, it's really the market's willful neglect of decelerating economic fundamentals that's of greater concern. Um, I think it's myopic to look at this, or for, for that matter, any single quarter in isolation. But if we try to put the first quarter of this year into context, it can be described as a near mirror image of what we experienced in the fourth quarter of last year. As such, one might be inclined to consider the net effect of the last two quarters together and compare that situation today to six months ago. In short, we're basically at the same place from a valuation perspective, but we now generally acknowledge weaker economic expectations and growing political discord both at home and abroad. Um, and at Juan Nelson, we will continue to favor idiosyncratic opportunities and alpha to the price indiscriminate influence of beta as a source of return as we diligently um, invest your capital. 
Great. Well, thank you very much, Scott. We, we certainly appreciate your time and, and the, uh, the look back and, and look ahead for your for Q2. And uh, good luck here as uh, quarter two, 2019 begins uh, to get rolling. Thanks, Scott. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.